There is a fifth dimension. A dimension of sound. Damn it, Frank! We tell him to be quiet. I spill my hot cup of Uranus again. A dimension of sight. Hey, Arch. I'm gonna sock you in the puss. A dimension of mind. Nan Adams, is that you? Ah! Ah! Next stop, the Twilight Zone. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Fifth Dimension of Twilight Zone podcast. Ha ha, I finally did it correct yeah. this time. It <laughs> took six episodes. Uh, I am Nick. <laughs> I am Nick, your host, as always. And here we are here to talk about the Twilight Zone, Roz Serling's famous epic of proportion series that he created back in the 50s and 60s that became uh, kind of a template for a lot of sci-fi shows in the coming future. We're back uh as you can see we took uh, another couple weeks off that was entirely on me because uh i decided not to take care of myself and uh i have to be fairly honest i went to the hospital it wasn't fun um we were supposed to record with rob uh last week as of this recording or however you want to look two weeks well however you want to look at we were supposed to record rob was nice enough to you know hang out for an extra week with us in the the fifth dimension and uh uh, we're back to talk another episode so thank you for being patient waiting for a new episode but as always you know we uh are on my youtube channel which is of course movie emporium that's where i keep this uh fifth dimension podcast and then audio feeds or you know audio audio boom or itunes and google play and amazon music and all that good stuff so you know if you go on there and you like what we what you hear from us definitely rate subscribe all that good stuff and uh as always before we introduce our guest host uh we are here with of course my two main co-hosts and that of course uh triv from trivial theater i didn't come up with any jokes because i forgot uh but triv will just say she is the northman to our podcast i don't know that's that's the best thing She's so uh, you know, naked. I'm sure, you know, with the six pack, you know, and the wearing of wolves clothing. I, I don't know how this goes. Um, yeah. But uh, and then, you know, how you doing, Triv? I know, like I said, we've been gone for a couple of weeks. So how was the last couple of weeks for you? Yeah, I can't complain. You know, here it's finally getting nice out, which is good. I'm no longer freezing my ass off, which, again, That's good. I no, don't know that I have. But if I did, I did I'm not, eh, not freezing it off anymore exactly man it's kind of nice that we're finally hitting summer i'll, I'll have spring thanks <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i mean for for, for anyone that's for not in the three the three main boxes that isn't trip where everybody else is hitting like 90 degree <laughs> weather you know oh, we're um, still sitting in the 40s oh well, well yeah we're we, it sucks down here in florida and alabama so <laughs> um the other the other person of course is the mickey work of the podcast and that of course is jacob from uh, jacob anders reviews how you doing, Jacob? Uh, how's the? Uh, you haven't been hitting the face recently, have you? Uh, hitting the, no, I haven't been hitting the face recently. What was it? I'm trying to. What, what's that a reference to? I don't know how something? Mickey Rourke looks. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. He looks like he got the shit beat out of. He probably <laughs> did. Uh, yeah, yeah. I totally ruined that that gag. Sorry. Um, no, I have not. No. Um, I feel like it. I feel a little <laughs> under the weather, but it's okay. Um, I didn't have to go to the hospital. I'm unlike Nick, so I'm here. Um, hey. I'm reeling. I'm okay. I know Rick, Nick, Rick, uh, and <laughs> Nick is reeling, and we're we're praying for him. We understand he came back from the hospital one testicle short, and yep. exactly got it in a jar. You know. Hey, you know what? It's a good background for prop for his for his for his background. Yeah. So. No, you, know, you don't. This, you only this need episode. One. 
<laughs> well, this episode, this episode is not a passage for trumpet. It's a passage for testicles. So yeah. it's a, a passage purple for testicle. purple testicle. <laughs> <laughs> but also, you know, every once in a while, we like to have someone else to come into the family of the Twilight Zone. And of course, this man has been on before. He was talking about walking distance. He's looking around like he don't, he just don't care. And he uh, is a man of, uh, I see. Uh, Clint Eastwood and I think I see Marty McFly in the background and uh, a couple other uh, trinkets I guess is that right but uh, we got the man the myth the legend that of course is Rob uh, Dodrill. Uh, Rob of course came on for walking distance and uh, helped us shape this podcast until Jacob came along and made it crash and burn uh, not really uh, <laughs> oblong shape yeah <laughs> there you go it's gone all squidgy i know right um actually Whatever. rob i think the walking distance was what episode three of the series if i remember right um yeah it's pretty close up there or episode five so that. yeah it's been a long time but uh how you doing man how's life how's uh the world of uh whatever you do you know that type of thing whatever you do <laughs> pretty good just trying to stay out of the the cold weather here in florida and i can uh, come I, up here <laughs> i got a little testicle that i've been keeping here so. <laughs> other than that oh, yeah. uh, he's gonna fit right in oh yeah <laughs> we love you rob and but uh you know it's it's cool to have like you said we had alex come on and of course jacob was a guest host at one point and they came on as an permanent uh it's a it's a good episode to talk about because this episode is has it actually hits you in all the feels a little bit because it's a really kind of impactful episode and i know rob you really like this episode as you've told me many many times before he's like mm -hmm. if i don't get on this episode i'm burning it all to the ground and uh here we are i'm living up to the promise that i made so <laughs> i was gonna um, jump in front of a truck oh shit it's no, you were gonna jump on the you were gonna jump on the front of the side of the truck or the the wheel the wheel <laughs> barrel <laughs> or, the or whatever it's called. Yeah, Jack hands. Lugman did all his own stunts, <laughs> sort yeah. of sped up fast forward motion with a woman going. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Actually, I gotta ask you, uh, Rob, before we continue, uh, uh -huh. any luck on the uh, search for the Rod Sterling uh, Funko Pop? Still no. So I just still have my uh shit that's a huge pest dispenser my own <laughs> so uh, you know i had to take matters into my own hands so i still that just is still the coolest thing the yeah he made that oh that's cool do they not have one they don't have any twilight zone pops so anytime nick sends me new pops that are coming out i send him this <laughs> gif of rod sarling holding up a gun where he says colt 45 <laughs> and that's the right response to anything regarding nick I know. you're right 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 that's how, that's how we roll in the in the fifth dimension so uh but anyways uh today we're talking uh like i said a really good episode at least i think it's a good episode we'll kind of discuss it but it's uh season one episode 32 which is called passage for trumpet uh, directed by Dan Medford, written by Ross Serling, uh, production code 173-3633. Now, before I continue, I looked in the uh, Twilight Zone companion book. I know, Rob, I think you have it. I know, Triv, you have it. At least I think, Rob, you have it. Maybe you don't. And the production code doesn't match up with the list of how they have it ordered in the book, which they have it ordered by episode production. 
So I don't know how accurate this is Wikipedia I'm reading off of. So this might not be accurate, but I don't know how accurate the production code is anymore. So I'm just going to say it's the 33rd episode ever recorded. Uh, everybody knows Twilight. everything on Wikipedia is 100% true. In fact, <laughs> I know, I know. I'll tell you I this. Know. It's more truthful than the IMDb, IMDb trivia section or it's more trustworthy. Man, I, I knew that IMDb was bad, but I didn't know they were that bad. Damn. Man, there's some shifty things on there. Not gonna lie, yeah. um, but this aired on May twentieth, nineteen sixty. This, of course, stars Jack. Uh, yeah, Jack Klugman, who's a famous actor, actually premiered in or pre- premiered. He appeared in, of course, the uh, Twelve Angry Men and, and some other uh, Twilight Zone episodes, The Game of Pool, which is a really good episode. Uh, he plays the main character, Joey Crown. It stars Frank Wolf as Baron, which is the other trumpetist. Uh, John Anderson as Gabe, who, of course. I'm going to continuously call Abe Lincoln in this episode. And <laughs> That's what I wrote down in my notes. <laughs> Abe Lincoln. And, uh, exactly. And then Mary Webster is a character we'll talk about later on. Uh, very uh, integral to our podcast. So, oh, And yeah. uh, I know Jacob and Triv, you know exactly. We'll, we'll tell Rob about it, but <laughs> Jacob and Triv know this character. Her. <laughs> Good stuff. Am I the only one? I, you guys are saying Abe Lincoln. Which, yeah, I, I, when you say that, I'm like, yeah, I, okay, I can see, I can definitely see that. Mm-hmm. But just from his voice, because like when he first came on, well, when he first spoke, I was looking away from the screen. I think I was looking at one of my other screens doing something. He's first speaking. I swear to God, it sounded like Willem Dafoe, like young <laughs> Willem Dafoe. And this is like not yeah. the first time we've had a Willem Dafoe sighting in the show. I'm telling you, true. he's a time traveler. Okay, you just want to see him uh-huh. naked. Let's just let's just be honest. Hey, I mean, hey, okay. You know, first of all. I've seen the Northman and I've told you guys, and I told Rob, there's no naked Willem Dafoe. I gave it an automatic. Uh, I almost walked out. Rotten. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 shot, I actually shot the screen. I took that. <laughs> that's why I have it gone. 45. If Willem Dafoe's in a movie and we don't get Willem cock, I'm not. <laughs> what is the point? So that's why Boondock um, Saints is like the greatest movie ever. Not that you get William Dafoe cock, but you get William Dafoe like full on spread. Yeah. No. Nice, nice. What else do you need? Abe Lincoln is a guy that started in a lot of westerns, and he started in uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. And... He seems like a western actor. Oh, yeah, very much. yeah. I could see it. Yeah, he's got that yeah, like it's... early Clint Eastwood thing going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he actually has a. If you look at his picture on Wikipedia, it's great. But this episode is—it's pretty well known. It's an episode that I find kind of heartwarming and heartbreaking at the same time just on the simple fact of who joey uh or joey crown is but as i always ask and um i'll start with rob you know was this an, you've seen this episode a bunch of times i know you mm-hmm. recently went through and started watching a lot of the twilight zone episodes again but is this an episode that you've always known about like always kind of <laughs> known the trajectory and did you ever at some point just kind of come back to this episode and go oh i, I remember this now uh I vaguely remembered it, but it definitely wasn't one that stuck out to me um, okay. until I went, what was it last year or so that I went through like the watch through of, yeah. of all of season one. And then I came to this episode and I kind of vaguely remember parts of it, but it, it, that was the first time it really stood out to me so much. And I was like, wow, this is a really good episode. Almost as good as walking distance. Yeah. It's um, it's an episode that doesn't have, like I would call the twist shock moment but it has mm-hmm. an, it's an episode where it definitely has you know a twilight zone s type story it's the same thing with like you know triv and jacob do you guys you know did you see where the trajectory of where this episode was going or did you kind of just you know do you do you, any of you guys ever actually remember this episode at all you know trevor jacob 
I don't think I've ever, I, I don't remember this one. Like I, I remember Jack Klugman episode, like other ones, but I don't, I didn't remember this one. I'm sure yeah. I've seen it. I just don't. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Actually, no, I didn't. Yeah. I, I knew something was up. I, I don't mm-hmm. remember the episode, but like partway through it after, you know, the whole dead thing, I was like, something's going on here. It's not mm-hmm. what it's leading on, of course, but I didn't know it was going to be exactly what it ended up being. Yeah, same yeah, boat. It's kind of nice. It's actually, it has like the downer part in the beginning and then it kind of uplifts. It, it doesn't like go straight into like, you know, uh, the chaser or what was, what was some of the episodes that got really dark? Like what the, the one with the little girl and the oh, yeah. uh, Nightmare uh, as a Child. Nightmare as a Child. Yeah. It's just, it, it, job, it feels like, what's it? Oh, just telling mm-hmm. Rob good job because we Uh-oh. said it at the same time. <laughs> it, it feels like a Twilight Zone episode, but it also feels like, you know, something that maybe as they were getting close to the end of the season, because you can tell near the end of the season, if you look at season one, the last four episodes outside of the after hours are what I wouldn't call like the most downer episodes. I don't think the Mighty Casey is a very good episode, but, you know, like a world of his own. You know, I'm, I know you've seen this probably, Rob. Mm-hmm. It has one of the coolest endings of any uh, Twilight Zone episode I've ever seen. Yeah, it's like it's definitely, yeah, yeah, it's a meta ending. It's a very dark ending, but it's like Mr. Beavis. Is, it's, you know, it's dark, but it's not like, you know, it's not getting into like a Nightmare as a Child or The Big Tall Wish or something like that. So I think they were trying to kind of ramp down and maybe have a little bit of lightness to what has been a very, you know, what is no, Twilight Zone is known for being very dark and, you know, heady and stuff like that. So with that said uh the episode starts out with um we see a man in an alleyway and that of course is uh joey crown played by jack klugman and he's a trumpeter um he is playing you know you know as as jacob alluded to in you know, rob alluded to as well he's very much in love with his trumpet very much in love with his trumpet mm-hmm. to an extent where he's oh, like yeah. um <laughs> he's following the damn thing uh, <laughs> um yeah let's call it, let's say that let's say swallow let's not say <laughs> other words well he and he treats it like like you would someone like a love like not not a loved one but like someone that you're deeply in love with you know it's a soulmate yeah. or whatever i think that was the idea it's like you know that's supposed like a, to be an extension of him and like yeah. something he truly cares about and it is almost like another body part it's an extension of him he does love it but some of he the ways it. they went away around <laughs> showing it i was just like I don't know if that was if that's a thing trumpeters do. I've never seen it because it was oddly disturbingly seductive. What do you like? Not in the, like a ooh, it was like a ooh. <laughs> Kevin, yeah, it's just yeah, somebody else take it. I, I mean, I played flute for a long time, and I regard it's not the same kind of a thing. But I, you know, you do kind of warm it up, but definitely not like that. I, fluff, I've never seen it. Yeah, yeah, but you fluff it. <laughs> That's what he was doing. Yeah. I mean, you'll see like clarinet and oboe players like, like get their read, like, you know, run their mouths over to kind of get the reeds good and wet. But God, this sounds bad regardless of what I say. He was running his, running it across his tonsils. Okay. He wasn't running across (laughs) his mouth, deep throating this trumpet. And and I've never seen anyone in the brass section do that. Like you might like look around the inside of it, but never like on the outside. I, I don't know, I guess. It's for effect, people. Effect. <laughs> it's definitely effect. <laughs> but basically, I, I actually like the shot in this episode, the beginning, where we see the. It, it, I, I'm assuming it's a way to have a character have a kind of a cost cutting method where they maybe maybe I'm wrong, but they have like the silhouette of uh, Baron, the other trumpetist playing. You see Jack Club, uh, Joey Crown's character, just kind of 
watching and you're not really sure why he's sitting there. I figured maybe he was practicing before he went on, but we find out later that's not what happens. But before we do that, we'll do what we always do. And uh, it's a two-part narration, but I'll just have Jacob read the whole thing because it's it's actually one part of the narration. Then like six minutes later, there's the other part of the narration. But you know, for the time being, we'll just <laughs> have you read the whole thing. Right, gotcha. <clears throat> Joey Crown. Musician with an odd, intense face, whose life is a quest for impossible things like flowers and concrete, or like trying to pluck a note of music out of the air and put it under a glass to treasure. Joey Crown, musician with an odd, intense face, who in a moment will try to leave the earth and discover the middle ground, the place we call the Twilight Zone. One kind of fun thing on the beginning of this episode, so... This one through the end of the season features the blinking eye, uh, and instead of the um, instead of the what came previously. So I, I think, think it's the, the first episode. Yeah. So there is a. It's got Jeff. That has a blinking <laughs> eye. I, I don't remember. I need to Jeff, go back. It's and, your debut. Well, it might be that, or it might be. I think it's actually like an actual blinking eye. Like it, it kind of closes slowly. Jeff, it's your sister. Yeah, I was looking at Wikipedia earlier, and it says that it's the first episode to feature the blinking eye. It's your sister, Trish. <laughs> oh, my God. What's in her uh, eye? <laughs> well, you see, oh, funny Lord. story. <laughs> oh, and, anyway, 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 when he was questions. doing this thing with the trumpet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> anyway, moving on. See, I walk into this crap. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to ask, actually, real quick. Was this an episode of the uh, Tales from the Crypt there, Jacob? Not for this one that I'm aware of. Not that I remember. Not oh, like okay. last week. Last week, we pretty yeah. much reviewed an episode of Tales from the Crypt instead of Twilight Zone because I kept on <laughs> taking it back to that. We actually got to do that episode. We just got to do a, like a Patreon episode of that if we ever do Patreon. We'll just review that episode. Okay, where was I? Uh, yes. Joey. <laughs> okay, so what ends up happening afterwards is Joey is um, he's playing the trumpet. And then, of course, Baron finishes. He comes out. And he sees Joey, and uh, we basically learn that Joey was part. I think if I if I'm remembering this or reading this right, he was part of Baron's group, but because of alcoholism, he was kind of let go, and now he's been trying to come back ever since. He he constantly weighs like lays outside this this. Uh, it's like a would you call it a nightclub or some kind of uh, it's like a nightclub. Yeah, nightclub is that what it is. And he kind of has a conversation with Joey about, you know, his alcoholism and how unreliable he is. Joey talks about how he feels worthless, which is kind of interesting because the emotions that Joey goes through in this episode are very familiar to I'm guessing everybody that's ever lived in the entire world that has ever been put together has had this feeling of worthlessness at some points. I was going to say what you were talking about with the alcoholism and stuff. One of the things that I liked that um, I found interesting about the episode was he says that he feels like he can't play the trumpet unless he's drunk. Like, and Mm. he's so what I, what's interesting about his character to me is that he alcohol has ruined his life, but to him, that's the only time that he can play to the high level that he can achieve. Cause everybody kind of recognizes that he's this like fantastic trumpet player. Yeah. But in his mind, he's like, I can only do it when I'm drunk. But when I'm drunk, I've completely ruined and wrecked my life. So he keeps drinking to like mask what he's done to his life, but just so he can play the trumpet. And if he gives up drinking, 
and that's kind of like, I guess, where the crossroad is at the beginning is he wants to give up alcohol, but he knows like giving up alcohol also gives up his ability to play the trumpet at the level that he does. So um, yeah. I always, that was an interesting like character dilemma that they put him in. Very much. I will say too, that the way, and, and I guess not having, I mean, I'm not addicted to alcohol, but the way that, uh, that addiction is described it, it kind of feels like it's coming from someone that's been there. So whether, you know, it was Serling writing this and kind of taking it from his own experiences, or if it's just, you know, someone and you see what they go through, mm-hmm. it was written, it feels written from a perspective of someone that really knows. It's not like reading it in a book and going, well, this is roughly what we think it is. Yeah. Like if somebody, yeah. maybe Serling or somebody he knew was more creative when they were drunk and if they were sober, they just felt like they didn't have any inspiration at all. I mean, look at 70s, 60s and 70s rock. Like they, I've heard said that a lot of the best music came out of that era because of, you know, the mind altering properties of different drugs and things like that. Mm-hmm. And expanding, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we know everybody in their entire life has known somebody that's been like this. And whether it doesn't even have to be alcohol. It could be drugs or it could be some form of problem where they, they're going through where they, they their best persona is not what they expect what they think it is is what they kind of fall back on you know it's um i don't know what that what that trope is called but it's uh it, it's a very scary thing when an individual who is so good at what he does has to rely on alcohol I'm not saying how oh, you can't drink alcohol because that's not what the problem here is it's the fact that he's an alcoholic and that's what he thinks he's he's good at and no everybody sees that it's a problem and it shows and that's why he was kicked out of the group and stuff like that and um you know it's this is a guy that really has a lot of issues and has to go through the unfortunately the twilight zone mm-hmm. and getting sideswiped by a, a truck that he tries to jump in front of which is Ironic because suicide seems to be a, a very prevalent thing in the, the, the Twilight Zone in a lot of episodes. And, uh, you know, de- I have to. He depends, he depends on the alcohol. Yeah. And uses the music. And I, th- I think he's full of, full of shit, honestly, about, oh, that's when I play my best. I mean, yeah. he may do well, but I feel well, like the like talent. Well, I feel like the talent is still there, <laughs> but he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't apply. Yeah, that's his excuse to keep yeah. thinking is, well, that's, that's, you know, it's what makes the magic happen. Instead I will of, give you. He just falls back on it, I think. Mm-hmm. I will give you a perfect example. Karaoke night at any bar, <laughs> yeah. like, like two in the morning. Like you hear and you think, oh my God, I sound awesome. And then someone records it and plays it back to you. And you're He's just awesomely like, drunk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's probably a character who's always been drunk or alcoholic at some point when he's playing and just never had the confidence that he's like oh i can't play without it like because i've always had it yeah exactly i also want to say that this scene with him and uh i think the other frank wolf was that the other actor yeah frank wolf yeah yeah i thought their performances here were stand out they're really good you know it's, it's twilight zone it's it's like we said before it's very much a product of its time and the, the performances and the acting in it is very a little heightened. A lot of these people came from the stage um, or that's the kind of acting that they did in movies back then. Very exaggerated because, you know, most actors came from the stage back then. But um, theirs, it was subtle. And, you know, they did a lot of uh, subtle body language and like facial expressions to, to uh, uh, convey feelings and things like that. And you don't we're getting more and more of that as the show evolves. Mm-hmm. and of course in purple testament we talked about how much it was there that was like 
still probably the gold standard for the acting in this show so far. But I thought that this particular scene with these two guys sitting here talking about his drinking problem was done really well. Oh yeah. Jack Klugman is just really good at what he does. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think out of the two <clears throat> that I remember Jack Klugman in, actually it's kind of ironic if you think about it. I don't, I don't know if you guys remember, I know you've probably seen it, but you don't remember a game of pool where Jack Klugman, I think he plays the guy that takes on, uh, uh, who is it? Who's the actor that plays the other the uh, crap? Anyways, he's he's the like down and out pool player that takes on the other pool player that's very you know famous or whatever for what he does. And it seems like Jack Klugman is kind of put in that position where the, he plays a particular character in the Twilight Zone. And I think it's two like two great performances, but it's definitely a, a very showy worthy performance here. So well, this is um this is a perfect actually example. I wrote down a couple of uh, or I I I tried to quote a couple of uh, a couple of paragraphs in this episode where, for instance, uh, he says he, um he traded it all for some bad hooch. Joey feels like he's nothing. He's a sad. He's just, he's sad with crummy walls and crack pipes, which I mistook that. Which I'm assuming they're just talking about crack pipes. And crack. <laughs> Uh, I'm assuming it's not crack pipes, but you I don't know, think they crack back then. Was it? Yeah, yeah, I guess there was. Uh, I also wrote, "He's only the horn; it's half his language." And then I wrote, "He's he's Gabriel with a golden horn. When he puts it to his lips, he's a jewel, fresh flowers in summer." Um, and of course, only when he's drunk, it's an episode about his demons, basically. Uh, but I thought those are kind of poignant, kind of representing the episode. You know, this is a guy who really loves what he he's doing, but he feels like he's kind of a loser, which, you know, you know, drinking when it causes it, it'll make you feel like that. You know, everything will do that. But um, he decides he's going to sell off his trumpet and he goes to a pawn shop. And of course, pawn shops, if you've ever been to one, you're not Eight exactly going to get what's that? Eight bucks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're not you're not gonna get what you want. So he got eight bucks, and he's apparently traded his trumpet before, which you know is what it is. But then, he's not pawning it this time; he's selling yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I just thought it was one, funny. Was that? Oh, I was just gonna say one other fun kind of thing. Um, yeah. You know, for the lexicon, well, I don't remember what it was the last time, but he he talks about how he gets the crummy end of the stick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was it? The, not the we, dirty. We've end got of the a tree. It was something. We've got a stick. When yeah, the dirty end of the stick. Dirty end of the stick. Yeah, we've yeah. got a running lexicon of of words that are interesting <laughs> to us. The last one we had was being a silly sophomore clod. <laughs> <laughs> not a great one, but you know, who I got the dirty end of the stick. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, we got some. We got some bangers. Like, like uh, I'm gonna suck, suck you in, in the, the puss. puss. <laughs> Why you fingering me? <laughs> Cry in a room full of buckets. I still, of course, think my... the classic shoulders like pudding. That's great, but yeah, I still pudding. think the fact that they talk about having a ball and they wouldn't let um the guy from mm. a world of his own say that because it meant having sex. That's still my favorite. But anyway, that was, yeah, that one. But right around that time, we also got the classic dick to phone <laughs> <laughs> and legs like rubber to go with shoulders like pudding. Yes. Yeah. No, they are traditionally um, uh, put together. So, I'll like do a jig for you, pappy, like a puppet. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I like how he like the he's trying to sell. He gets upset because he's only giving him eight dollars. And the funny part about it is uh, the the pawn shop owner goes, "I need another bugle." Like he needs uh, his taxes raised, which I think is still prevalent today. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Very. Yeah. And he has a, did, he's got a whole window full of them. I know, right? And exactly. why does Joey prepare to play the trumpet again? He's already sold it off. It's yeah. like this pawn shop owner is like, 
the hell are you doing? You don't own this thing anymore. Why are you trying to why are you trying to swallow it? What the hell is going He's on? Give it a goodbye kiss. <laughs> I think it's like because I mean it's it's sort of his whole identity. It's like his significant other because he has no friends and no loved ones. And like, he's just himself and his whole self is like in that trumpet. And this is like his essence. And so he wants to like lip it one more time. <laughs> Before yeah. He well, let's like, not forget, he does. He does. <laughs> that is, ex- he tickles his fucking tonsils with that thing, dude. I think that's like, oh, look at, alley but i think that's the first time he did it and i when i first saw it i was like did he was that an accident because i thought i thought it was just like something they left in on accident but then he keeps doing it it a few more times yeah Yeah. see i assume that he like kept the the mouthpiece like maybe it was his and then the rest of the trumpet just went separately i mean put half the rest of the trumpet down his throat too so (laughs) true very true hope they cleaned it he was it getting was his a, back It was back. the 60s. They never, they didn't clean anything. Oh, yeah. You just rub dirt on it and move on. Can we talk about how much? <laughs> can we talk about how much a ripoff this uh, pawn shop owner is? So I just looked it up. So he's going to sell the thing for $25. And in 1960, $25 is like how much a person made a week. Um, and $25 in 1960 is $242.82 with inflation today. Wow. So this dude's making bank. And what was it? It was eighty bucks, uh, seventy-seven. You gave him seventy-seven bucks, yeah, seventy-eight yeah. bucks. Huh. Well, you know, one thing too, you look at any instrument, at least like new instruments. I remember mm-hmm. like my parents giving me the lecture about, you know, we're spending a lot of money on this, and it was a, tr- it was genuinely an expensive thing. But yeah, that's probably a lot given the time. Hell yeah, it is. <laughs> one of my kids got a clarinet. Jesus, I think I paid for that thing for like three years. I was like, have I not paid this thing off yet? They kept calling. <laughs> Want more money? I was like, I think you guys are ripping me off. How much was this thing? I saw, yeah. I did not know what I was signing up for. You actually bought like a, a baker's dozen of clarinets, not just one. I think, I, yeah, I bought the whole brass section. That, <laughs> that's not brass. Clarinet. <laughs> yeah, it's Tesla clarinet. Hell yeah. The woodwind section. Um, but with that said, this is when um, he decides, he, here's a truck and he decides he's going to uh, jump in front of it. Uh, or at least try to jump in front of it. He's very bad at jumping in front of trucks because he basically jumps into the side of it and still somehow flies onto the curb. It's the most crazy thing I've ever seen in a Twilight Zone episode that wasn't the, the phone booth incident. But um, what about did you the notice? Shoes? Did you notice when it hit no, him and he came to? He was in the same set, which has been on many one, many of them, but it was the same set. That last time we got a sped up vehicle hitting somebody. Uh, what was the episode? Uh, what you need? Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, With that truck shoots. hit him so hard, it hit him back 15 episodes <laughs> <laughs> and knocked him back 15 episodes into that. Because when he came up, I was like, holy crap. Because I was, when it sped up that truck and it hit him, and later was like, ah, I was like, ah, that's just like, holy shit, he's there. <laughs> <laughs> I also noticed that the lady that screams, they zoom in on and then they cut. And she's just standing there staring, not screaming, but her scream is still going. Some high production values. Here. Yeah, that, that scream was like seven octaves where you blow out your ear. Like a Quentin Tarantino zoom. Yeah. <laughs> Again, oh, one of the three things about Twilight Zone is the fact that it's not just your standard like three camera, you know, sitcom setup, which obviously with this it couldn't be, but you know, 
I think they did single camera, didn't they? I'm sure so. Well, I would have imagined so. I was just thinking like Lucy or I love, I love Lucy show or shows yeah, like yeah, that yeah. that did that. So, but that's it not wasn't cool. on like a, a studio. No, I mean it's on a studio set sometimes, but not like your traditional. It's more shot with like set. more like a film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, we'll talk about another set too at near the end of the episode that is uh, very reminiscent of like every other set that has been uh, used for a uh, rooftop. So uh, it's like the room uh, then is what you're saying. I was exactly. waiting for uh, the the kid with the rabbits to come out there. And... <laughs> I was waiting for the the wife and husband where the wife falls off the off the roof. Oh God! Escape. <laughs> I like the uh, outside the movie theater of this episode is what I think is probably one of the cooler parts. Like that's one of the things that stuck out to me when I was watching through the whole first season was that kind of i guess i don't know if you'd call it an effect shot because it's not really a i mean it oh yeah mirror yeah through the mirror yeah. where they, they like built the second set and they've got twins or something on both That's sides. i was gonna say was that the, i I'm, i made note of that that was i think that was all pra- i didn't look it up i didn't have time but i it looked like it was done practically and that was really impressive it looked yeah. practical and i when i kept watching it i what I think happened is they had all twins. Nice. And they had a well because the first guy that's he's he's smoking in the mirror in the mirror and they actually have a mirror there and then he like moves over and I'm assuming they take it away. I don't remember if it was all one shot, but once he goes couple. over, yeah, once he goes over, it's like one take when he looks through the mirror mm-hmm. and then he looks back. Yeah, and, and he like looks back. People over the, I, that was really over. Really I mean, they could have because they do a real quick pan they do i can't if, rob you may know that kind of pan where they do it like really quickly it's like a, it's white, like a big blur wet pan. Yep. pan so they may have done that maybe they did a cut there maybe that's how they did it but it's also possible what you said with the uh i think they just <laughs> built uh a identical set because you can see at one point he goes up too close and they actually have a glass that he touches but it's yeah, like because yeah. you can see his reflection in it just like, it looks like plexiglass maybe yeah it's like a plexiglass and i think they just duplicated the set and had twins or people that looked like each other but they also i mean i liked how they they also had the perspective right because of where the yeah. camera was you wouldn't see it wouldn't be the exact it's of course a mirror but from where how the camera was looking at it you saw a different perspective that lined up i thought that was yeah yeah really really well done for for the time that the show was i just thought it was a really impressive setup for that particular shot like a lot a lot went into that scene to sell that he was invisible yeah it's very yeah, terminator that... 2 taking the chip out of schwarzenegger's head situation yeah. well they do that a lot in um the twilight zone and i'm sure you like we've talked about this before but twilight zone has been I, I think twilight zone is one of the most inventive shows and one of the most important shows when it comes to inventing different ways to do stuff for television not i mean we have like psycho we have you know citizen kane but the things that Twilight Zone were doing back in the day is pretty impressive for the probably the amount of money they had to spend on each episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the episode from here on out is, or the, at least this part is pretty, pretty basic stuff where he wakes up and it's nighttime and he sees a police officer talking on the phone. The police officer, of course, doesn't, you know, doesn't answer him. It's this, uh, the typical, you know, you know, he's dead, but you know, the, the, he doesn't know it type of thing. And he does this for, it's like a three or four minute segment where he's just going up to people. He's trying to get a light. You, you know, we talked about the, the movie theater thing with the, the uh, reflection shot and stuff like that. And it basically, you know, he realizes that something is wrong. He's able to not do anything correctly. And here he did the one thing correctly. And it's the ending his life. And it's kind of, uh, it's dark, but it's kind of 
darkly funny in a lot of ways. And um, I don't know that whole segment. It's like a lot of Twilight Zone episodes. It's well paced. It's well shy. It's well choreographed to the point where I don't know the things that Joey's doing. Jack Klugman is doing in this episode where he's screaming at people. How <laughs> many takes they had to take on that to, for these people <laughs> to stop laughing? I'm assuming they were laughing. I don't know. You know, we, there was well, a photo he... put out. Go ahead, go ahead. He runs up to the first person when he first realizes it. I even made a note of, I, I don't even know if I spelled this right. He just runs up to him and goes, bougie, bougie. <laughs> like, who yells that? Who's just, he's in the first He does. Goes, I'm dead. You can't see me. Bougie, bougie. I was like, what is bougie, bougie? <laughs> but yeah. I, I love that. I, I was kind of wondering, does he have a ghost cigarette with him? Because, you know, he takes it out and he asks the dude for a light. Like, it's kind of hanging out of his mouth there at the one point. And I'm just sitting, does, does he have a ghost cigarette or what's, what's the, I don't know. At that well, point, that's what I wrote. <laughs> I was wondering, because the next scene after the, after the box office, he goes into a bar mm-hmm. and he actually picks up the, the alcohol, the yeah. shot glass and pours it and then puts it back. And then the guy's like, just keeps washing the dish <laughs> on the other side. It doesn't see this bar, this like bottle floating in the air. There was a moment of that later on in this, but it's like it's a small thing, but um it kind of took me back to when um they had to, well we'll get when we get there, we'll get there. So it's actually what's actually do this. Um the lion he's successful at killing himself is the end of the act. So um at this point, what did you guys think? Do you guys think this is a well-rounded act? Do you think it need it felt very disjointed? Do you felt that it worked? What was your guys' overall feeling of how this represents, and do you think it helps you go into the second act to make it a fulfilling episode? I guess is the what I want to say. What do you guys think? I think that line that you quoted, where he ends up saying, "I finally was successful at doing something," that kind of like hits home, like everything that was building up, like his emotions to that point. So I think that was a good way to wrap up the first act and kind of get it to the point where okay maybe he did really kill himself you know i i would agree i think um you know it the the fact that it got past the censors that they actually left it in there as a broadcast thing in the 60s early 60s i mean that was impressive on its own but yeah it definitely it was a solid first act it told you what you needed to know it was it was it was good i liked it um yeah first act I, i i was digging it I was cool with it. I mean, I, I knew something was up because we already knew he was dead and he was a ghost and he was just there. And nobody could see him. We knew somebody eventually was going to pop up and he'd be like, hey, you can hear me. But I, did, <laughs> I didn't know what the deal was going to be. I knew it wasn't as simple as what he was saying, what it was alluding to, but I didn't know what. So it hit me. I was, I was curious with it. I didn't feel like it was like dragging on or anything. It, it moved along at a steady, nice little clip and I was looking forward to seeing what happened. I actually kind of had <laughs> when when he became kind of a ghost, quote unquote. I, I kind of had um, "It's a Wonderful Life" vibes. Like mm. I, that's kind of where I was wondering if that's where it was going. Kind of, mm. maybe. Yeah, nope, it's um. <laughs> Agreed. I think I think the first act is good. I think it works. I think it sets up the the second half nicely. It's a it's actually a, it's a split down the middle episode. I think this is like twelve minutes, and the next part is twelve minutes, 
And I think it, it, it shows us a guy that we can all relate to, or maybe somebody, one of us has been at some point. It's a thing that, you know, really hits home with the fact that it doesn't matter what you do. If, and this is, we'll talk about this is what Gabe, uh, Gabe says, the other trumpeter, it's how you, um, how you do it and how you look at your life, I guess, and what, what's good and what's bad about your life. You have to take the good with the bad and stuff like that. And that's really what this is setting up. This is setting up a guy who just does, it's like what, you know, what Tripp said and it's a wonderful life. It's a guy that is put in a lot of predicaments and a lot of all this weight is on his shoulders and he feels it and he tries to do something very dramatic and very um, unfortunate. And he luckily has some kind of savior that will come along. But you just think about all the people that are going through this that, you know, could use a day in the, especially in this episode, use a day in the twilight zone and how that would help them maybe. And, see maybe a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, which is what he wasn't seeing. But I know I've gone through some really dark periods in my life when it comes to this kind of stuff. It doesn't mean I ever want to commit suicide or anything like that, but it's just like you have those moments. And that's why this episode kind of really hit pretty well. And, you know, you don't, once again, when you watch these episodes on a review level, you don't really, when you start kind of barreling down into the nuts and bolts of it, you don't see that when you're watching the episode just on a fan episode. That's why, you know, for instance, the chaser, I like that episode, but when we break it down, it doesn't hit his home as well as, you know, whatever it is. But that's just kind of how I, I look at the first act. But the second act is really interesting. Um, like Rob said before, the bartender scene, I thought that was kind of interesting because I was waiting for the guy. <laughs> I was waiting for the bartender to go, oh, my God, there's a bottle floating. Ah, he runs out screaming like a woman or something like that, you know. <laughs> the bar scene, I think when he goes over to the the jukebox some of the stuff he says really adds to kind of a state of mind where he's reminiscing on being part of a record that played that was cool and it and it goes yeah. to show it kind of it, it does actually kind of take a not that it takes a uh, uh it's a wonderful life like kind of direction but it does like he realizes what he's missed and the 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 good things he had I mean, he, he basically goes back to the, the same spot that he started out in the beginning. We see the trumpeter uh, Baron. We see the woman. She closes the door, and that's when he hears the other trumpeter playing. the. I think that the trumpet stuff is done by Lynn Murray, um, who is a composer-conductor that did most of the trumpet music in this. And he hears another trumpeter, and he goes up, and then you know, there's a big scaffolding scene where we see what I call Abe Lincoln, because me personally look like Abraham Lincoln, like we the talked Abe about Lincoln earlier. Angel. Yeah, <laughs> it's Gabe Lincoln. <laughs> there <you go. laughs> it's not. It's um, not Gabriel. It's Abraham. Yeah, Gabe, Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> but what's what's really cool about this segment is this is we we. If you really think about it, you kind of know what this guy is. But if you don't, maybe you think it's a his passage into another life but he has this whole big like uh socrates moment with uh, joey crown where he kind of breaks down his life and how he was good at the trumpet and he lets uh joey play his gabe lets joey's play his trumpet and stuff like that which that sounds really wrong but you know what i'm going at but um <laughs> no regard but it, for covid exactly yeah, exactly <laughs> But I, I got to ask you guys, you know, when he's talking, he talks about a lot of stuff, you know, the sweet and the sour, the ice. The, I like the frosted ice cream thing. Where, where is it at? Um, Sometimes it's sweet icing 
comma sometimes nice gravy. Icy. Sometimes yeah. it's sour. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like that line. But mm-hmm. this whole this whole thing where he's kind of what well, we see what Gabe's doing. He's trying to put this kind of uh, this heart back into Joey's life, trying to show him that he means stuff to people, that it's important to him. What do you guys think about that? Not not talking about the the idea of what the people are that he's been trying to follow around, which we'll talk about in a second. But that whole idea of what Gabe represents, you know, of course we know that he's an angel, but what he represents to keep Joey on the path instead of you know where he was going. What did you guys think about that? Yeah, I think it's kind of like Jake said earlier, where he was. It was just an excuse, like he was just full of it when he said it was the alcohol that was his you know, the only way he could play. And I think Gabe was really trying to get into unlock that, like in his mind and like get that as an excuse away and say, you know, you, you actually are talented and you need to stop dwelling on the negative things in your life and just focus on the skills that you have and and really just emphasize that. And and don't worry about the dark that you have in you. I I think that pretty much, is right on it it's kind of about you know getting that switch flipped in in um his head just to get him on a different a different track yeah i think um that's pretty much i mean he was pretty much telling him you know stop you've wasted a lot of your life and you've got this great talent and you're you're just pissing it away and giving excuses as to why you need to continue doing this other thing and you know essentially get off your either get off your ass and do something or you know or, or you're going to end up having wasted this whole life away so what are you going to do you're going to go out there and do something great or are you going to continue on the way you've been doing and you might as well you know next time jump in front of that truck the right way yeah. um and I, I like that i honestly thought the guy was a demon at first because he kind of had this sinister look to him <laughs> <laughs> and, don't yeah, say that about gabraham lincoln i know you know he's he's he fought he's, zombies and vampires yeah. right <laughs> <laughs> I, but um yeah i i think that i like the message i really enjoyed the message that he uh, put out there i thought that was a really good message it was a little bit different from the twilight zone episodes we or, or twists if you will that we've gotten in the past it wasn't i don't know it's it's almost like a lot of the twilight zone episodes have been more centered on the actual twist this one was more centered on the actual message like the twist was not as memorable as the actual message of the show. I don't know how I feel about that. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. My initial viewing, I was kind of like, well, that, that twist was kind of, it was fine. It was all right. But the more I sat there and dwelled on it, I was like, but the message was really good. And I really liked it. And I liked how it was, it was just kind of pure and, and, and straightforward and just, you know, Hey man, stop pissing your life away. So I started liking it more and more as time went on. I feel like they had more of an idea, like you said, for the message than the twist, because the twist was kind of like, it, it wasn't... You're not dead. I feel like they just kind of tried to, <laughs> to be like, okay, you're not dead. Everybody else, they, they said everybody was everybody else was dead. They were all ghosts. And so they weren't reacting to him, but he was still alive and like in a limbo. And uh, I felt like they were writing the episode and they're just like, oh, yeah, whatever, they're ghosts. Like, whatever. We're just... This is what this is the point of the episode. Don't worry about that. We got to have a Twilight Zone twist. Just yeah. that in there. <laughs> well, let me ask you guys this: Do you think Rod certainly th- for me personally, if it were me as a teacher, this would be a good episode to show students just on the fact of you know, don't fuck your life up, basically. 
don't sit around and wait 40 years to do a podcast, you know, that type of thing. But um, <laughs> the, the funny thing about it is, do you think Rod Sterling was trying to start your YouTube channel in 2009, not 2018? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, do you think he was trying to instill this message to like the TV audience or did he feel like it was just a cool way to tell a story or because I, I wonder if like he was he has this because he's a guy that didn't didn't fuck around really he he knew what he wanted to do he knew how he wanted to do it and he found a way to do it even though as we all know it wasn't entirely uh, smooth sailing through the entire series until it got to the fifth season when everything went and blew up in his face. But do you think he, he felt that was this was a good message that could be well told to the audience, like the TV land as it was being shown in 1960? Honestly, the one thing that continues with Serling, at least from my perspective, is he was about a good story. Like if a, like the messages that came from it probably came as he was writing, but he just has a way of, of writing a good story. And the message, like we've talked about this with different ones. There's a lot of episodes where the message transcends you know what's going on you take from it what you put into it to some extent and i don't know that's my perspective but you know i'm also 2d <laughs> I, I i mean I, I think that this one probably was a little him he, he probably was a little bit more centered on the message this time around but i, I want to say with mr sterling for uh, essentially I, I don't know if it was ever like named he essentially was an atheist mm-hmm. fine mm-hmm. but he sure does write about heaven and hell a lot for someone who doesn't believe it. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of his episodes that deal with the devil and angels and now purgatory and all that. Um, I found that interesting. Yeah. You think yeah, it was because preacher. it was such a, it was such a thing at that time. Like the culture was so like Christian kind of, I guess really ruled the area. Like there was, there was shows on with bishops <laughs> that would air on Friday nights. Like there was a guy with a chalkboard, you know, talking about the messages of the Bible and stuff. And it was on prime time. You know, that was, you know, it was a way to talk to people in a language that they understood. I kind of feel like. You don't necessarily have to be a believer, I guess, to, to write good stories that, that take place within that realm. I mean, I think he probably, chances are um, atheist, whatever his label was, he probably came from a family that there was some, I mean, here in America, you're not going to find a family that just totally devoid of any type of religious beliefs. So he probably came from a family that <clears throat> believes he probably knew about this stuff. And uh, he probably pulled from that. And even though he didn't believe it, he probably still found it interesting. He seems like the kind of guy that even if it's something he doesn't agree with or believe in, he's still going to want to know more about it. And he's going to want to explore it. I and mean, understand yeah, not that I really know him that well. No, but I and understand. I agree with you. I'm not disagreeing. I just no, no, no. That's fine. Yeah, I think he probably saw it as a interesting avenue to explore science fiction themes, and like people could with Star Trek explore social themes with some other planet or something. I think maybe he saw a way to explore some of these personal themes through like a religious. That's his sci-fi lens. True. It reminds me, it also kind of reminds me of like our conversation with Walking Distance back then, um, where it it kind of felt like there was some personal message in there. Like with Walking Distance, we were talking about like, it felt like this message of you can never go home again. You can't go back to the way things were. This kind of seemed like the same message of, you know, look at what you have in your talents and not your negatives. Like 
I almost wonder if these is like where his state of mind was, where he was writing these episodes, if it came to him that way. I'm sure at some point in time during this guy's life, I mean, he accomplished so much that there was a time he, he clearly was immensely talented, but I, I do truly believe that there's tons of immensely talented people on the earth. They just squander their talent. Mm-hmm. And he probably oh, yeah. recognized that and saw the things throughout his life. And he's like, you know what? If I had made that decision or if I had not made the decision to go forward with this thing or that thing, I would have just been quote unquote, a nobody. And I want to get that out there. I want people to see that. Maybe he yeah. used the alcohol and the, the uh, you know, purgatory and all that to, to tell that story. People just have excuses as to why they can't do what they really think or know that they want to do. But there's always some kind of excuse. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it's like the, 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 there. we yeah. build, you know, you use excuses to build walls mm. yeah. or get crappy tattoos that say no regrets. Or no regrets. crappy tattoos that say bad motherfucker you know. <laughs> don't <laughs> see that as a bad decision no i don't either it's a great conversation starter at bars when i used to go to <laughs> bar hopping and stuff nice. <laughs> and and to be fair some of the best horror films of all time have dealt with what religion mm, very much in some form or fashion and of mm. course the howling man is a perfect example of how to use the devil in a very dark and just like like scary way and uh well, it's a very uh, personal thing so mm. to put any kind of story in in a religious context especially with horror it can really get to people a lot deeper than you know just the wolf man coming out down the street or whatever i mean look at the exorcist that's what yeah made that so terrifying to a lot of people especially back then is it's deep-rooted real quasi-realistic take on religion and how deep-rooted it was in religion and how deep-rooted people back then well even now were in religion and it kind of attacked that religion to a degree so they that's what made it so scary to a lot of people i know and uh i mean we can't we cannot not talk about how wolfman has nards so <laughs> wolfman's got nards <laughs> <laughs> uh anyways uh let's go ahead and continue um okay so the big the big twist for this episode is the Gabe tells uh, um, Joey that he's not actually dead. He's in limbo, basically. That the people around him are the ones that were dead, the ones that he like wouldn't see him. And I really like how Rod Serling and the director kind of work this or work around this, where they're individuals that have been put in a perpetual state of at ease in death. So they do normal things as normal people do. One sits in a box office booth. One smokes a cigarette, walks off. They're dead. They don't know they're dead. Somewhere like six cents or something like that. Spo- sorry, spoiler alert. Yeah. If you haven't seen that movie, that's 30 years oh. old now. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just like I, that that kind of twist right there is Rob walks away. He's like, I, this, I quit. That um, was on my watch list. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started on the one for Citizen Kane. Right. Oh my God. Right. What? No. Oh, you just ruined it. <laughs> I know. It's on my M Night list right after Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, <laughs> yeah, maybe reverse that order. Yeah, also, exactly. uh, aliens and water, Oof, not a good combination. Mm-hmm. Did I tell you, ever tell you about that old plants. movie? <laughs> How about plants? No, no, what, what, what are you doing here? The plants are alive, they're coming, they're gonna kill us all. It's grass. I told you this. <laughs> oh, god, I told you guys the story from uh, the air <laughs> when Mark Wahlberg showed up at the Father Stu screening that I went to. I was like waiting for him to go religion 
no, no. This is this is about faith. It's so, about working out. Spirituality, yeah. not religion. Exactly. Let's see how much I bench press in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Let me get a pump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I wear my I wear my my gym collar. But <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, um, <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> so anyways, uh, Gabriel walks or Joey walks with Gabriel and uh, Gabriel tells Joey that he has a choice, a talent that shouldn't be wasted. Basically saying, don't fuck your chance up. If you're really going to kill yourself, just jump in front of the truck. And then I think he said, I think he said something close to that in the movie or the episode. I mean, but, little bitch, do it right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And get That's some wicked air. Go to the roof. That's a, yeah. That's not all he said. He said something else without even saying it. I really appreciated. I don't think everybody picked up on this. If you noticed earlier in the episode, I think that it was uh uh what's the Joey? Is that name? No, yeah, Joey. Yeah, Joey. Yeah. I think he's he either he said it or somebody. I think he said it like when he plays the trumpet and he's on you know the sauce, he's like Gabriel playing a mm-hmm. trumpet and all this comparing mm-hmm. yeah. him. Yeah, that was Joey. Yeah, so Gabriel had to come down and be like, he had to show him how it really how it's really done. This is how you play. <laughs> It. and him doing that and then coming down and then in the end saying who he is and everything he's pretty much saying and by the way get my name up out your fucking mouth <laughs> you ain't playing the trumpet like me <laughs> you can rod sterling wrote those words in the script but they got taken out by the yeah. student <laughs> get no, the best part sensors up out your mouth <laughs> <laughs> you and then he goes it? and prop <laughs> up in front of him and just like like open hand bitch slaps him yeah and he's, he's in, the, like, in the prior in the studio trying to convince him they're like all right i don't know about this this language well you see <laughs> he's like it's get your mouth get your my my, my name out your fucking mouth <laughs> <laughs> it's but good. um no i was gonna say uh gabriel kind of leaves joey there to make his decision and he starts walking away says his name is gabriel or gabe or whatever and then yeah, he As he's walking away, he walks away like Batman. He just walks away into the shadows like Robert Pattinson, Batman. Gabriel Lincoln. <laughs> but then therein lies the thing, and I and honestly, I was a little. There was part of me that was a little pissed off. He's like, "Yeah, Gabe is he short for like Gabriel." Batman. It's like it's like we didn't need you to say that. You could have just walked away and and left it at that, and it would have been awesome. I feel like that was a studio. Yeah, yeah I know. Like I know. they said it, and they're like, um, know "Who Gabe is." Yeah, exactly. You know these dumbasses watching this, you need to say the name Gabriel. You might even need to say Gabriel, like, you know, the angel from the Bible. You were talking about it earlier. He plays a trumpet. Here's a picture. <laughs> it just killed, like, it, you know, it just, like, it would have been great if you just would have walked away and that would have been a killer moment. And it's like, damn it. Just also, it. Not, not the greatest looking trumpet for an angel to have. It kind well, of, kind of like, like the Last old. Crusade, you know, you got the oh, yeah. Carpenter's Cup thing. And yeah, true. Quality, I guess. I don't know. I don't Real know where world. I was going with that. But Jesus <laughs> well, had know, a Carpenter G- Gabriel, Cup. Gabriel uh, goes to all the worst clubs. Humble. So, you oh, know, yeah. it's just it's just over the course of time, you know. He's had to beat... God, that's going to sound terrible. He's he got to beat people <laughs> off with it. <laughs> <laughs> he also lives in apartments with crack pipes. Yes, yeah, exactly. crack pipes. <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't need the talent is within him. He doesn't need a perfect in, instrument to play it. Yeah, he but it helps. A, he can take a turd and play <laughs> in the wind. Maria. You cannot polish a turd, but he can. 
Well, he's an angel. I would hope he can. Yeah, he can polish. I think he cleaned the mouthpiece off and was like, this clean this off. He blows into the trumpet and like a bunch of like spit and foam flies out of it. Oh my god. And we've gone from inspirational ending to total puke fest. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that. <laughs> so, so Joey wakes up from his accident, and the girl once again goes, "Oh my god!" And, that go? Um, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> but the best part about this episode is uh, he stands up and he's he's decided to live again. He's like, "I'm gonna live again." And all of a sudden, the truck driver comes up. He's like, "Look, man, I've never had an I've never had an accident. I've always been clean. How about I give you some money, which happens to be exactly twenty five dollars here, and you can just go no police, tell anybody. Yeah. no hospitals. <laughs> well, and what about yeah. all the people that were Keeping surrounded? Stuff, it's right. just like they just walk away like it's nothing. Like, oh, this guy just got hit by a by well, a. They're truck. the same people. There's the same Whatever. people that were at the casino when uh, what's when his face off the two story window. Oh, no, yeah. true. Two under two foot window. <laughs> foot window. They don't care. The Twilight Zone doesn't care about people. They just, if he's fine, like, oh, hey, he's fine. Oh, he's not dead. Never mind. <laughs> it's just a flesh wound. <laughs> well, and what a cheap ass. It's like, I know 25 bucks was a lot in back in the day, but it's like, okay, you just hit this guy. Make it at least an, an even 30. You're going to sweeten the pot there a bit, Pops? I know. Yeah, exactly. I just hit him. He's like, hey, just take this and, you know, go on. I, I think that the, the Joey was just too happy. He was all like, ready to run down the street going merry christmas and then i like how he runs into the pawn shop and they're both smiling as he hands him, he's like hands him the money he's like he does like a little thing it's almost like a, a mentos commercial or something he in there he's like <laughs> he points at it he goes ah. do you think he negotiated <laughs> with them at all or yeah, he just like, like Gave him been like eight bucks or, yeah, it should have been like, you know what? I, you gave me eight bucks for it. Here's eight bucks back. Give me my damn trumpet. We need, oh, we need to make sweet music together. Great Mentos commercial. Like he's like, oh, I want this $25 trumpet. And then like he jumps out in front of a truck and gets hit. And the guy gives him $25 and he goes in. He's like, ah, Mentos. <laughs> Mentos <laughs> I told, I turned the, uh, the old boy hallway scene into a Mentos commercial. That's awesome. That's online. I, I need to see that. <laughs> I love it. Um, Does anybody okay. break their heel off and like take off walking or <laughs> off their high heels? Okay, so we're, we're going to talk about and try and bring Rob into the mix on this. So he's excited. He has his trumpet. He's playing on the roof, the same roof from like uh, the boxing episode. And we've talked about it, you know, has all the episodes. They probably use the same set within like the same week or whatever when they filmed this segment. But, uh, but a nice young woman hears him playing, which is all oh, nice young woman. He's going to have someone in his life going to show him the world. I just came to so, Big City. Yeah. Well, I'm sitting <laughs> I here. I can show the, you the world. Well, let's we'll, we'll say this. I'm sitting here. I'm just watching the episode, you know, taking notes. And he's like, I'm Joey. And she's like, I'm Nan. Run, I bitch, run. I, I did this. I did this. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like. Wow. So, Rob, I don't know if you know this running joke that we have, but you remember the Hitchhiker episode? Mm-hmm. The one with the, the woman named Nan Adams? So, yeah. we... Oh, my word. Yeah. It's not a joke. It's, it's true. It's true. It's a, it's a subplot. 
So Nana Evans is the main character in that episode, and she has trouble driving. She drives very fast around puddings of shoulders and stuff like that. And so I think the next episode was What You Need. And the guy, of course, gets hit by a car. And it's, it looks like the exact same car from Nan Adams that Nan Adams drive. And of course, he loses his shoes. So we have a running joke that Nan Adams, in some form or fashion, is the catalyst for each episode's death sequence or some form of major sequence in the series. And it's almost entirely like, for instance, a purple testament. Like you hear an explosion. We just think that it's her. Nan Adams. Yep. Yeah. Ran him off a cliff. <laughs> it's not a joke. This is the truth. It's a yep. conspiracy. This is like some Mandela effect level shit. Wow. <laughs> and so w- when the lady named, lady comes up and she says her name is Nan, um, the thing I this is what I wrote. I said, Nan, why does she always have to be called Nan? She's going um, to show he, he's going to show Nan around, and I'm sure she's going to run him over at some point because yep. she probably has a car. And it's just it's a running joke. And it's just it's perfect because every episode we find a way to in- incorporate Nan into the episode. <laughs> So she's like our uh, mascot. Mephisto. Uh, yep. Yeah, Mephisto. Yeah. I think this episode so is more of a moving forward. She, she, we, we didn't see because nobody really died, but mm-hmm. she foreshadows his death down the yes. road. Like yeah. they're sitting looking the truck, at the actually. city. He's like, "Well, we thought that it was switch routes that didn't kill him." And she's <laughs> like, "Oh, somebody show me the city." He's like, "I'll show it to you. You got this and that." And, da, 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 and it pans out, and then you just hear her say, "Oh yeah, I'll drive." She, she <laughs> hitchhiked. In the back of that truck that hit him, she was yeah. in the back of the truck. Yeah. Yeah. The old she wasn't driving. In the back of the truck. Yeah. She was in the back of the truck and looking at the truck driver like, "You suck." I was. She was like, "Don't slow down. Don't slow down. Just hit him." <laughs> He's like, oh, "Okay, <laughs> dumb bastard. I would have done it right. Can you do anything right? No hospitals." <laughs> oh man, but I just thought that. <laughs> Or she's just gonna push him off the side. I don't know, but it was per- you're you're actually it's gonna be Christine. You're gonna see the car on, on the roof, and it's just gonna run into him at the end. That's side the director's <laughs> Yeah, she'd say, "Let me show you how to sideswipe somebody." She'd like drift in and sideswipe him with the back of the car, and he'd fly off the edge of the roof. That's how you do it, bitches. <laughs> I mean, we are getting to the Fast and the Furious of this franchise, so you know. I was gonna say it's like Fast and Furious point five. Yeah, yeah. right. I mean, she already it's- took out a spaceship. She did. <laughs> He's like, oh, I'll show you Central Park. And she's like, at night. <laughs> I was going to say she uh, she kind of set his uh, faith in motion. Like she said to the driver, hey, give him 25 bucks to get his thing back. I'm going to meet up with him and then we're going to get this bitch going. Yeah. Uh, let me do it right. Yep. She's like Thanos. She said, if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. Yep. <laughs> so are we saying that she's the, the ultimate villain of this universe? absolutely is she's a fucking so, grim reaper so did she uh coordinate like the the aliens from how to serve man or to serve mankind yeah she's like she comes in and slaughters all the people so they can serve man okay yeah, yeah I mean, right what do you think they, they they have like special rooms in there i mean is she is she the is she the bomb and uh the obsolete man it just she's becomes the, a... she's the grim <laughs> on the airplane on uh, nightmare 20,000 or 30,000. <laughs> oh, there you go. She's the gremlin. That's like her actual origin story. So, that's her true <laughs> I like form. It. I like that's it. her true form, yeah. Actually, there's a there's a funny joke in The Simpsons where um, Bart's on the bus. And he's like, oh, my God, there's a gremlin outside the outside the window. And it's a uh, moment driving a gremlin. <laughs> and he, and then somebody throws something at him, and he actually rolls down a hill and just explodes into flames. It's good stuff. As you do. But... That's the end of the episode. That is uh, the episode Passage for Trumpet. Um, 
I I personally think it's a great episode. Where it'll rank, I I don't know. But I let's let's get into like uh what you guys think. Do you guys um do you have anything you want to like talk more about on it? Do you, what do you guys think of the overall episode? I mean, we've been kind of talking for a while on it, but what did you guys think just overall on how you feel without you know putting into a ranking spot yet? Just like overall thoughts. It's a solid, warm, fuzzy, like Rob and Jake said. It's definitely focused more on message than it is on twist. And mm. as much as uh, Twilight Zone is built around twists, you certainly don't. If if you held yourself to that, then you end up with like Avatar: The Last Airbender or The Happening. So it's good that they don't go in that re- that direction. Um, but yeah, very solid episode. I think it's solid among the, you know, there's not quite as many feel good twilight zone episodes that aren't you know darker and i mean this one certainly has its dark elements to it but um i think it's much more of a positive you know up in, in the same kind of category as walking distance was and uh uh what was the santa claus escape no not escape uh, night, night of the meek night of the meek yeah yeah um i i thought it was a it was a good episode i I'm not gonna lie though. At first, like when I first finished it, because it was kind of like the twist was, kinda, it was light on twist and more about message. That kind of took me off guard, and um, I was I didn't hate the episode, but I was just kind of like, I mean, yeah, it was fine. It was one of those episodes that as it went on, I liked it more and more. I thought the more I thought about it, the more it grew on me a bit. Um, overall, as far as its structure, I thought that it had a good pace. It, it never got boring. It was constantly giving us information. It didn't have any lulls. So, like structure-wise, I thought it was it was very well done. I thought it had a really good message. But I can't. I still. I'm not gonna lie. It's the Twilight Zone, and I don't want it to be like gimmicky. But I can't help but feel like I was missing that. I, I whenever I'm watching Twilight Zone, I'm waiting for the twist. Yeah, it's like it's just like something you're waiting for. Uh, it's like watching am flux and you know she doesn't die or south park and kenny doesn't die i don't think he dies mm-hmm. anymore but back in the day he's always that um and you don't get that you feel like you're missing something and i did it did still leave me with a little bit of that feeling of like good message well acted good put together but i still just wish it uh, that little something there in the end um that being said i didn't hate it um i didn't i didn't it wasn't like i'm not going to call it a top 10 for me personally but it's far from the bottom. It is uh, yeah. upper middle to me. Yeah, I think it's it breaks in that category where it's like it's a good episode, but I don't know if I would say it's a memorable episode. Even yeah. though I mean, as as good as the message is, it's not the episode when somebody says, "Oh, name some Twilight Zone episodes." I don't think sure. many yeah. people are gonna say Trumpet McMahon. Yeah, I think I was. I think I'm with Jake as far as relatively like upper, not top 10, but yeah, upper, upper, upper half. So before we get to that, it's kind of interesting because I think maybe I feel differently. I I don't know. Maybe this, it could be the fact that I'm happy we're recording after two weeks of being sick (laughs) and in the hospital. Maybe I feel all warm and fuzzy for this episode, but I I don't know. I just, I felt the episode really had a a strong message and a really interesting, um, look into individuals who have difficulty dealing with situations and they need uh, a dramatic event thing to happen. Like, you know, you watch all those movies where, you know, somebody is a drug addict or an alcoholic or 
you know, something they get put into uh, rehab or something like that and they become a better person or I don't know, maybe it's just how I felt on it. But like I said, everybody has their, their different opinions, but I, I mean, I wouldn't put it a top 10 episode, but I definitely think it's a strong episode for Twilight Zone. But like I said, that's just my personal opinion. Uh, everybody has you know, different opinions and, and you know, usually, nothing- usually mine's usually mine's the right opinion. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Well, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, that's one thing about the Twilight Zone is the episodes hit us differently. You know, one that, you know, um, like uh, uh, one for the angels for me is like one of my top episodes because it speaks to me on that level. And, you know, this one obviously speaks to you in that same way. That's a great thing about the whole series is that there are those episodes that are personal to us. So nothing wrong with that. And that's the, there's no wrong opinion. I mean, besides yours. So, you know, (laughs) chance to drink. I actually, <laughs> as as much as I kind of concede that it's not that memorable of an episode, to I well, what I would think to most people, I think I probably would put this in my top ten. But even though, like, because for me, I really enjoy the episode, but I also kind of step back and recognize what how most people would probably, as overall Twilight Zone would perceive this. Yeah, I think it, what, uh, one of the things that God. that kind of I, I hate to say took away from it for me the whole you know, not total absence, but for lack of a better term, absence of a twist might be one of the things that makes it stand out because every Twilight Zone episode episode has some type of ironic twist of fate. And this one, I mean, yeah, there's a little twist, but it's just not, it's not the focus. And that might be one of the things that in the long run, after a few more episodes, it kind of makes this one stand out a bit more. So that, that negative might actually end up being a positive for it. I hate to call it a negative because I didn't hate it. Yeah. I just, yeah. it just, it did. I, I can't lie that when I think back to after watching it, while I did, it did grow on me more. I just still had that feeling of I was missing something, but Hey, it made me feel something. <laughs> so what you're saying is no, I do not like it. Or is it? Nope. No, I, do not like it. I didn't like it, but I did like it. <laughs> He's looking for a um, state. <laughs> yes, sir. I like it. <laughs> Okay, uh, before we get to the actual ranking list, uh, Jacob, before I forget, which, you know, Trevor reminds me, uh, let's do it. Let's hit up that na- <laughs> closing narration. <clears throat> Joey Crown, who makes music and who discovered something about life, that it can be rich and rewarding and full of beauty, just like the music he played. If a person would only pause to look and to listen, Joey Crown, who got his clue in the Twilight Zone and is about to die because Nan Adams just showed up. <laughs> He really loves his trumpet. Yes. He yeah. really loves his trumpet. I don't think Boy you understand how much he loves his trumpet. This one time at band camp, <laughs> took my trumpet. When we say really. Yes. We cannot talk uh, to you about it in proper 1960s terms. This is a story about a man and his trumpet. You know when the ice cream man gives you a fudge sickle? <laughs> Don't ask what the smell on the end of that trumpet is. <laughs> he has his own mute and it's on his body. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So with that said, uh, that is the end of that episode, uh, which is a passage for trumpet. Uh, let's go ahead and head into the last segment, which of course is the ranking of the twilight zone episodes. This is a list and ranking that nobody will ever be able to copy because it's the greatest list ever. This is obviously, I know Rob, you said you would put it in a top 10, but I'm guessing we put this between 
21 and 10 somewhere in that area maybe you know kind of a middle episode maybe high middle what do you guys think this is an odd one because there's some right around in this area is where some of the episodes that you know the episode itself it's kind of like the opposite of this one the episode itself was fine it wasn't bad and they have banger endings and the ending is what defined it like uh, is it and when the sky was opened is that the one where they're going to earth and uh no third from the sun's where they're going to earth yeah number 18 had a great just fantastic ending the rest of the episode was, was what it was it's fine but without that ending that's what defined it and this one's kind of the opposite the episode was good but the ending for me at least was, was lacking a little something hmm. let me ask let me ask this um a nice place to visit i think that was that's one the one where he plays it like he plays the actor version of himself or he was it turns out that he's an actor yeah like his character is which one's execution oh no i remember that one that's the one with the cowboy who goes back in time that's a dick that's a dictaphone yeah (laughs) me myself personally if i had to pick a place just right here i'm gonna say 15 i was kind of thinking that too well let me ask you, Rob, what do you think? Um, as somebody who's just coming in, kind of, I, I mean, I gave you the list a couple of days ago, just to kind of look around and you looked at it today as well. Uh, Number one. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say around 14, 15. I think it's, I think I like it better than execution. Do you want it? If you think- want the number one, fight for it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a number six on my list. Oh, damn. What's our number six? Time enough at last? Time enough at last, yeah. Banger ending. Yeah, yeah. Mine's Nightmare as a child. Time Festival. enough is number three. I, I copied your list down and then I rearranged it because I didn't know what I, we were going to do. <laughs> oh, no. That's all right. Yeah, but I'd say, yeah, according to this list, uh, how I see these are ranked, I could probably see it around 14, 15 in the middle somewhere. Let me ask you this. Do you, I would say mirror image is, of course, the one with uh, the woman who has expert knowledge in science and whatever she had. That's where um, they, her stuff keeps disappearing, right? Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Doppelganger stuff. So you think this is not as good as what you need where, you know, Nan Adams hits the guy, um, <laughs> but you think it's better than execution? I mean, being that this thing has such a banger mirror type of shot, you could put it like oh that's not that far off at 15 but you know you wanted to be like ooh, mirror shot that's awesome put that shit there makes that with a trumpet too <laughs> yeah. uh, oh i was mixing up okay execution i was mixing up that with the uh that's the 1800s guy yeah basically dude in the old west he disappears or gets pulled out of that into modern day yeah. and then i was mixing that up with the uh, the guy who kills his wife who's immortal oh that's um that's uh, escape. escape clause oh yeah okay yeah i still say it's a little better in execution i liked execution but the greatest and scientific looking like sciencey looking thing ever trying to think um somewhere in the 13 to 15 range it looks like 13 so 15, you're 13 15 so jacob <laughs> i'm guessing you're handing uh, you're holding pat uh, above execution um i liked what you need better than this one but i like this one better than mirror image i wasn't a huge fan of mirror image but what you need i really did like that one 
um a nice place to visit i like yeah i would i'd be okay with 13 even though i do like what you need i think what you need needs to be higher up on the list anyway so i kind of so yeah i'd be cool with with 13 if that's where we're we're talking well that that's a that's a question like what you need do you think overall let me ask you this before i'm I'm kind of changing numbers as i'm talking um do you think um what you need has an overall better package than mr b uh mr beavis a passage for trumpet that that, that's like my final question i think it i think the message in this one is is stronger but i think the overall episode of what you need is stronger but once again they're really close what about you trev that's difficult um because the reason i ask is what you need is i think a a strong episode even though we joke about the whole you know shoes flying off and stuff like that i still think it has a more potent message than a passage for trumpet Mm -hmm. but it's basically do you think it's a stronger episode do you think the episode on its on its own would work better you know what you need or passage for trumpet and same thing with you rob like do you think it's a an episode that works strongly on its own i guess my gut tells me what you need is stronger across the board like i got more not to say like this had a lot of good in it and it you know strong performances and and awesome jazz which is always a plus in my book but i don't know like given the between the two like jake always says you know the one that you'd want to go back and watch yep i would go back and watch what you need yeah like eight out of ten times over a passage for trumpet and that's no dissing on passage for trumpet it just what you need spoke more to me i'd agree with that that's fair like i said it's it's so close and i always joke we always joke but like when you get down into like you know 30 40 50 episodes you have to like look at the list and you're like uh where do i why did i do this to myself you know i i know people who are doing like 600 episodes of a show like the simpsons and it's like you get to episode 575 and you realize you still have like 150 more episodes ago and you're like <laughs> well so, we know what nick's next project is no i am not doing the simpsons <laughs> i am not i'm not i'm not delving into that wormhole of uh come on you just sound insanity park. come on you know you want to i'd rather do south park actually hell <laughs> i'd rather do lost and do the simpsons and i my simpsons are my favorite show at this point so um Anyways, yeah, we'll we'll do that. So new number 15 is going to be a passage for Trumpet. That means I think now that the 16 millimeter shrine joins the other two terrible episodes in the next page. It's okay. okay. (laughs) Yeah, it's okay. And now we're now we're now the first page actually has episodes that we enjoy. The other episodes are on a new page. Uh, The only reason I did this is there's just not enough space (laughs) unless I'm going to make the words like this big. But um, I noticed I noticed something last week, Nick. That and um, I'm assuming this week as well. I noticed that you did not take my recommendation of adding more explosions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting for the episode of the Twilight Zone to do that. Maybe I should. Maybe I should do like return to videotapes and do uh, <laughs> is this good for streaming? You know, the type of thing. Explosion sounds good too. So, yeah, you can cover up a lot of stuff with explosions. Look That's at right. I have explosions in every single video I put out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, was this episode so, um speaking i just remembered at the at the end of it they had a teaser for mr beavis and <clears> that's the first unless i just missed it that was the 
our only episode I remember that actually had a teaser for the next episode. Oh, they oh, all no, do. They, they, yeah, they, yeah, they all do actually. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm looking yeah. at it on DVD, so they kind of oh. pull the they pull the whole thing for it. But yeah, even yeah, going Paramount, back, I, Paramount Plus does the same thing. So it must. I don't remember. Maybe it wasn't on Hulu because I watched it on Hulu and it got pulled from Hulu and now it's on Paramount Plus. Those yeah. bastards. Unless I just glossed over it at that point. Oh, no worries. Yeah. The, the oh, promos are really interesting, credits. actually. Yeah. I remember the early promos, like from the early episodes, where it was like them talking about episodes they're making. And just Rod Zerling, <laughs> like walking around in like a set. Like, like this right here, this book. It comes from an episode about a man who did a thing. Oh, that that's a great like that's a great video in itself because I think it was done for like possible sponsors. Yeah, it was. And the way that they describe oh, it was one of the early episodes. Like the way that they describe, um, shit, what episode was it? They 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 describe like this relationship, but oh, it was the lonely. They were talking about this relationship between a man and a machine, and it was so like they had to be so delicate with how they talked about it, and it was hilarious. It's like one of my favorite Rod Serling things. Yeah, because that episode, the big question on everybody's mind is because you know there's that big gap of time. They fall in love. They're on this rock asteroid, of course, not a planet. Yes. With atmosphere. Yes. And breathable air. And yes. uh, what were they doing for the five or so months that we don't see? He was were, tearing that shit up. They were playing chess. They weren't. They weren't yes. copulating. Chess from the trumpet company. Taking, <laughs> taking his bishop and putting it in his her queen. Oh my god! So Check with that and said, mate, biatch. <laughs> <laughs> so as Rob alluded to, the next episode is. Um, <laughs> well, the next episode is considered uh, considered to be one of the worst episodes of. Oh my god! Oh, show. No. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yes, Cornholio! Yes. All hail Cornholio! <laughs> my bunghole. Hey, hey bud, Ed. Yeah, yeah. She's awesome. She likes sluts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't wait for that. We should we should review the new series when it comes back. When it comes back as the old Beavis and Butthead. My name's Tango Ray. <laughs> this is my friend. <laughs> So My anyway, friends so, call me Mr. Beavis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so as you they've so alluded to, uh, the next episode is what would consider to be not one of the greatest episodes of the series. I don't think it's that bad, but it definitely has its problems. Uh, but it's, uh, of course, Mr. Beavis, season one, episode 33, uh, oh. directed by Wade Masher, written by Russ Sterling. Hey. Uh, this episode does uh, start Orson Bean, who's a famous actor who was in like inner space and being John Malkovich. Uh, we'll see hey, how Nick. that goes. Hey, Nick. Hey, Nick. Would yes. you say that Mr. Beavis has gone from suck to blow? <laughs> <laughs> He's gone from suck to blow. <laughs> and this was officially the last episode. <laughs> They've gone plaid. <laughs> Ludicrous <laughs> speed. Ludicrous speed. <laughs> he doesn't look he doesn't look Jewish. Jewish. <laughs> so any uh, my favorite. <laughs> found anything yet? We ain't found shit. <laughs> Two black guys got the pick. <laughs> the uh, the episode also stars Henry Jones and Charles Lane. So we'll look forward to that next week. With that said, 
we're gonna head we're gonna head out before we completely collapse upon one another rob i thought it was a jigsaw doll for a minute okay so that'll do it that'll be our take for season one episode 32 which is a facet for trumpet uh rob as always i talk to you all the time but anyways thank you so much for coming on the episode to talk this episode i really appreciate it it's been fun look forward to having you on again at some point i'm sure uh as always uh if they want to find your content they i know you do and have and work on as uh you know you're more talented than 90% of the world when it comes to your uh, your videos and stuff like that. Where can they find it at? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn or, <laughs> or you can find me on YouTube here uh, under Robert Dodrill. Uh, just search my name. I'm sure you'll have it in the description or something. And uh, you just search that and you can find my channel here on YouTube. And I don't upload very often, but um, it's like short films and the old boy Mentos commercial that I made is on there somewhere. Nice. That in itself yeah. is will be would be worth the price of admission for watching. Exactly. And uh, Triv, now that you're uh, you put out a video recently of uh, what was it, Double, Double Dragon. Dragon that was filmed in my uh, home state. But if they want to find content like that, you know, to find out what is so special about your <laughs> I, I'm I'm rambling, <laughs> but what is so special about your your theater and your videos? Where can they find your content? Well, if you want to talk about crap movies and or, you know, early movies and all the rest, uh, you can find me here on YouTube at Trivial Theater. Just search it up and you'll find me. Uh, you can also uh, find me on Twitter at Trivia underscore Chick. Uh, past week, I just put out Double Dragon, like Nick said. Um, Evil Bong, a collab on Evil Bong should be coming out here hopefully this next week when this goes live, but we'll kind of see how that rolls. That's right. And Jacob, when you want to do heavy metal uh, intros and they want to watch those and they want to watch your explosions and bad motherfuckers, where can they find your content? Oh, yeah. By the way, your, I mean, your intro was awesome, by the way, this week. I forgot to tell you that. Oh, for uh, uh, that terrible, yeah. or not terrible. Movie, <laughs> War, that, Warlords or whatever it was. War, I don't know. I've already forgot. It's a <laughs> lukewarm movie. Um, I was hoping it'd be awesome, but it was. <laughs> anyway, yeah, you can call me, find me. Spoilers. On, um, yeah, I don't know why I went british or australian there just for a second you can find me uh you can find me on youtube at jacob anders reviews and also a few of you have found me on jacob anders gaming i hope a few more find me and i'm also on that's where i put my videos and reviews and other random shit that i do um every other day-ish and uh i don't really have anything big coming up on there right now i'm, I'm finishing up the halo series reviews which I got to do that one. Hopefully it'll be out tomorrow morning if I can stay up tonight and do that. And uh, beyond that, you can find me on Twitter at Red Neville 30. No, wait, Red Neville 2. I'm real bad at this. I'm real bad at this. You probably look in the description and have a better time just <laughs> clicking on those, honestly. You can find, I'm on the internet. I'm in places and I do things sometimes. Some people watch, some people don't. I would appreciate it if you would watch. Please come and watch. Please come and watch. Watch the ads. Click on them if you'd like. If it seems like something you might need, Click on it and buy it. I make it a little bit of money. My children need shoes. It would help. <laughs> this guy needs. If someone this doesn't guy pick needs... up. I'm going to keep talking. My <laughs> wife will tell you I will talk until someone else starts to speak. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. And as always, 
Oh, there's a so... silence. So I need to start talking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry mm-hmm. if I just blew out of your trucks. I'm so sorry. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so so we're gonna send we're gonna send trip to the hospital. So for myself, for myself, Trib, Jacob. Hey, hey, and you Rob need to and... you need to promote your own stuff there. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 So before we send uh trip to the hospital, you know, from choking to death, you can find me at Movie Emporium on Twitter, on YouTube. This video post on YouTube, this, uh, you know, lovely. <laughs> oh, my God, Rob. Uh, <laughs> this, this, video, this video of uh, Twilight Zone post on uh, the Fifth Dimension post on YouTube, as well as uh, iTunes and was it uh, uh, Anchor and Google Play and Amazon Music. <laughs> but, yeah, you can find us there and all that good stuff. But for myself, Triv. Jacob, Rob, and of course his Funko. Uh, we'll see you guys next time in the Twilight Zone. Peace out, guys. Bye. Bye.